Hello and welcome back to all my friends, known and unknown, who are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 22 of my book review podcast, Unknown Friends, and I'm your host, Rochelle Ferguson. Quick note, I'm sorry, my throat sounds a tiny bit scratchy this week. I think maybe my fall allergies have set in, and so I'm not quite sounding normal, but hopefully it won't be too distracting. Also, my apologies again for having to take off last week from the podcast, um, but thank you so much for understanding. I made huge progress on my new stage play that I'm writing, and all that's left now are some edits I need to go back through and make, um, but that's the easy part. So I did my best to make good use of the time I would usually have spent recording the week's podcast episode. Now today I am back in full force and I'm bringing you a book which I find almost impossible to classify. I'm talking, of course, about The Book of the Dun Cow by Walter Wangerin Jr., let me make sure that's clear. It's done as in D-U-N, the color. It's a, a gray-brown color. So the book of the Dun Cow is the full title. This novel was published in 1978, and it's actually the first in a trilogy, but I have not yet read the second or third books. So Walter Wengren Jr., I don't know a lot about this author, um, and it's kind of funny how it seems that living authors can be sometimes more difficult to learn about than dead authors. Maybe they just haven't had biographies written about them yet. I don't know. But at any rate, um, I can at least tell you that Walter Wengerin Jr. is a living author, a contemporary, and he was born in Oregon in 1944. Obviously, he's American. He was born the first of seven children. His father was a Lutheran pastor, and he himself has also served as a Lutheran pastor. But of course, he's also a writer, and while I've only read this one of his books, he has written over 30 works throughout his lifetime so far, both fiction and nonfiction. So several novels, some biblical novels, quite a few children's books, and a lot of books on spirituality and theology, and essays, uh, short stories, poetry, and also a few plays. So he has quite a range. Now, if I understand correctly, The Book of the Dun Cow, typically categorized as a fantasy novel, was his very first published work, um, published, like I said, in 1978, when he was in his mid-30s. Now, let me briefly say how I ran across this author and this book specifically. I'm pretty sure I first saw the name Walter Wangerin Jr. in the listing of titles sold online through The Rabbit Room. Hopefully you're familiar with The Rabbit Room, led by Andrew Peterson and A.S. Peterson and others. Uh, it's a very cool community plus publishing house, and a lot of their titles are very well worth reading. So I started seeing books by Walter Wangerin Jr. among the works available online through The Rabbit Room store, and I started to get curious, but it wasn't until the book of the Dun Cow specifically was recommended to me that I finally decided to give this author a try. So one of my high school English teachers, Daniel Schwabauer, who created the fiction writing curriculum, One Year Adventure Novel, he put out a list not too long ago of a whole bunch of books he and his 
staff recommend. Uh, and I frequently consult that list when I'm out of ideas and looking for new books to read. Incidentally, Daniel Schwabauer was the one who had recommended uh, Three Men in a Boat to Say Nothing of the Dog, which I read and reviewed back in episode 15, my uh, classic British humor episode, along with P.G. Woodhouse's comic novel, Leave it to Smith. But of all the books Daniel Schwabauer mentions in his list of great books, The Book of the Dun Cow is one of his very top recommendations. He highly praises it, uh, calls it one of his all-time favorites, and just a book that he returns to again and again. And so after hearing that, I decided I had to give it a try. It did take some convincing, because you take a look at this book and read a basic summary of the plot, and you quickly learn that the main character is a rooster. Now, that's not a huge draw for me. (laughs) I don't know what the deal is, but it's just very difficult for me to imagine enjoying a book pitched as an epic uh, philosophical fantasy compared to The Lord of the Rings and Animal Farm, which is about a rooster. Those things just don't go together in my mind. But I'm very glad I was finally convinced to try it because I was wrong. I did enjoy a book with a rooster as the main character. Uh, And it was epic and philosophical and everything it claimed to be. So let's get into it. I will start with a quick introduction to the plot and characters. Our hero is indeed a rooster, and his name is Chanticleer. And in fact, all our characters are animals, uh, real or mythical, as this book is set in a fantasy world uh, with no humans. Descriptions of the Book of the Dun Cow often call the characters farm animals, but I find that a little confusing uh, since there are no farmers or farms per se. It's just that our characters are um, types of animals like roosters and hens, uh, mice, weasels, foxes, etc. Um, but anyway, so already we have kind of a strange setup. At least when I think of a fantasy novel featuring animals and no humans, I immediately picture uh, dragons, horses, maybe, I don't know, uh, bears or rabbits, I something like that. Not roosters. Well, the source for Walter Wenger and Jr.'s choice of animals comes from medieval fables, but we'll get more into that in a minute. At any rate, against these sort of barnyard animals comes a force of evil, and it is in the form of more mythical creatures. Our villain is a dragon-like creature called Worm, and his servants are a cockatrice and an army of basilisks, which are all creatures from medieval myth. But that's already getting a little ahead of myself. So at the start of the story, we have Chanticleer, the rooster who rules over his part of the world. And his story begins when he meets a dog named Mundo Connie, who is pretty much the meekest and noblest and most lovable creature ever. And he also makes me laugh. He He's wonderful. And then some other new acquaintances enter Chanticleer's realm, 
um, including a, a widow mouse and her children to whom he gives shelter, as well as Pertilote, the most beautiful hen Chanticleer has ever met. But what is causing these animals to flee from their homes to the region Chanticleer rules is a darkness that is taking over the land, led by the evil cockatrice, which is a creature who is part rooster and part uh, snake or dragon. And as time goes on, this evil steadily approaches even Chanticleer's realm, and ultimately he and his friends and subjects must wage a brutal war against Cockatrice and his master, Worm. All right, so I've said this book is hard to classify, and I've said it draws on some medieval myths, so I need to explain those claims. The Book of the Dun Cow has sometimes been called a children's book. I would not call it that. I think it's too mature for children. Teens, sure, and adults, obviously, but I think if I had tried to read this as a child, I would have been a little freaked out at parts, and plenty of it would have gone over my head. So what genre is it? Well, it's accurate to call it, as most people do, a fantasy novel. Obviously, it features a war between talking animals and some evil uh, mythical creatures who also talk. Um, So in this regard, the Book of the Dun Cow has quite a lot in common with the fiction of Tolkien and Lewis and the way their epic fantasies portray the battle between good and evil um, and the toll that takes on individuals. But Tolkien and Lewis drew inspiration from different mythologies than Walter Wengren Jr., broadly speaking. So Tolkien in his fantasy writing was largely influenced by um, Germanic or Norse mythologies, um, among others, of course, and Lewis primarily by Greek and Roman. But Walter Wengren Jr. in the Book of the Dun Cow pulls much more from English mythology. So Geoffrey Chaucer and his Canterbury Tales from the late 14th century is often cited as the principal source for the storyline and characters of the Book of the Dun Cow. I'm not saying that Tolkien and Lewis did not borrow at all from their own English mythology, um, and in fact, they definitely did, but it wasn't necessarily the chief influence like it seems to be here in the Book of the Dun Cow, um, which is kind of funny considering that Walter Wenger and Jr. is American, not English, but that's fine. So in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, you find the fable of Chanticleer and the fox, among many, many other things. The fox character is not as central in the Book of the Dun Cow, but obviously Chanticleer the rooster comes directly from Chaucer. And other characters, too. Um, The beautiful hen, Pertilote, comes straight from Chaucer. So there's a definite connection there. And not just with Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, but also more broadly with English folklore. The cockatrice, part rooster, part snake, and its offspring, the basilisks, you find referenced in medieval English literature. And also, I can't refrain from mentioning there's a smattering of Latin in the novel as well, which makes me very happy. And that too adds, I think, to the medieval flavor. 
Latin, even when it was no longer spoken commonly, remained as the go-to European language for anything written through um, at least the end of the 1600s. So it only shows up occasionally, uh, and it's not like necessary to know Latin in order to read the book, but I get a, a nerdy delight out of the presence of Latin vocabulary in a novel published in America in 1978. That's pretty cool. But I have to say one more thing about the genre, um, or more broadly, I guess, the influences on the book of the Dun Cow. As I was reading it, yes, it's a fantasy novel with medieval undertones, but I also got some strong biblical vibes. That's one of the weirdest things I've said today. The word biblical and vibes, just that doesn't go together. Hmm. Anyway, aspects of the book of the Dun Cow reminded me of biblical stories. There we go. Specifically, they brought to mind the book of Job and also the story of Jonah. So in the book of the Dun Cow, there's an element of wrestling with evil and wrestling with God. There are characters uh, questioning life and the hardships we endure, and there's the temptation to self-pity. So I think those are the main reasons why, in my mind, Job and Jonah specifically both seem possible sources of inspiration for Walter Wangren Jr. as he was writing the book of the Dun Cow. Now, something else I want to touch on is the way this author portrays his animal characters. I just found it fascinating how he blends their animal characteristics with human characteristics. So each of his different creatures retain uh, kind of the personalities we see in certain types of animals or that we traditionally associate with them. So the rooster has a tendency to pride. The weasel is quick and clever. The fox is smooth talking. The ants, oh, I love the ants. They are indefatigable workers. They're just an army. So some of these traits we tend to identify with different kinds of animals are still there um, in the way Walter Wenger and Jr. crafts the creatures that inhabit the world of this novel. But what's amazing to me is how human he makes each of them at the same time, especially the characters at the heart of the novel. Chanticleer the rooster, uh, Pertolote the lovely hen, Mundo Connie the dog, the heroic weasel whose name is, get this, John Wesley. He is absolutely marvelous. I, I love him to death, but I do have to wonder why a weasel was given that name. Strange. Anyway, these animals are all surprisingly human in the way they feel things and think about things and interact with each other, and they're deeply sympathetic. Like I said, I was not particularly looking forward to reading about the adventures of a rooster, but Chanticleer won me over. He is very far from perfect and at times can be excruciatingly annoying, but he's also noble and willing to risk himself for the good of others. And the same holds true for the other characters um, to varying degrees. They're flawed, 
and relatable and inspiring in a remarkably human way. And this brings me to the last thing I want to talk about, the themes that this book is exploring and ultimately the different character qualities it critiques or commends. So I just mentioned in discussing the biblical influences that you see an exploration of self-pity in the Book of the Dun Cow, and that's, I think, a major theme Walter Wengren Jr. wants to examine. So Chanticleer, despite having many admirable qualities, falls into questioning not only his own life and the loyalty of his friends, but he even questions God. Um, He faces, admittedly, some bitter experiences in his life. He suffers a lot personally, but then he tends to spiral into ugly self-pity, which then leads him to make those around him suffer, and he even doubts their love for him. But the sad reality is that this is a very human thing to do, and while it's distasteful in every way, self-pity is something I think we're all tempted toward at some point in our lives. And we see explorations of it in scripture, in stories like the books of Job and Jonah, although you find two very different responses to the temptation to self-pity in the lives of those two very different men. So Chanticleer deals with guilt. He deals with a victim mentality, which ultimately makes him victimize those around him, tragically. But I think he does gain a better understanding of himself and his place in the world through um, both his awful experiences and the awful way he sometimes responds to them. Does he fully learn his lesson? I'm not sure that he does. Maybe that's why there are two more books in this trilogy. Walter Wengren Jr. isn't done with Chanticleer yet. That said, in a sense, I'd say the Book of the Dun Cow can stand on its own. While the author explores some of the potential ugliness of the human heart, he also most definitely portrays some of its potential beauty. So you also get characters who are extraordinarily um, courageous or humble Uh, patient, and self-sacrificing. And there's enough darkness in the book that these qualities shine out with such bright clarity that you can't help but admire them and aspire to develop them more deeply in your own life. And I think that's ultimately a sign of a book worth reading if it inspires you to become a better person, a more Christ-like person, even in small ways. So, in short, I recommend The Book of the Dun Cow. Again, I don't think it's for children, personally, but I think teens or adults get a lot out of it. Definitely a book worth rereading, and I look forward to my first return to it in the future, since I know I'll be able to see new layers of meaning that I missed the first time when I read it again. I can't say one way or the other about the book's sequels, I read a few reviews, and interestingly, they're quite mixed. Some people love books two and three, some like one of them but not the other, and some don't like either, even if they enjoyed the first book of the trilogy. 
Uh, one or two reviews even suggested maybe there's some graphic or even adult content in, I think it was in book three. I'm not sure. And I know sometimes readers' reviews can be completely off the wall. So books two and three might be absolutely wonderful. Um, I'm taking the reviews with a grain of salt somewhat. But I just thought I'd make it clear that I can't personally recommend anything but the first book, since that's the only thing I've read. Um, but the Book of the Dun Cow, for certain, I think is well worth reading. Next week, for my 23rd episode, we're switching gears a little, and I'm going to be reviewing a shorter work, a novella, which I think will be the first work I've discussed on Unknown Friends that can strictly be called a novella. It is American author Ernest Hemingway's classic work, The Old Man and the Sea. Everything I'd heard about this novella made me think it would be boring, but it was surprisingly compelling when I actually read it. So I look forward to sharing with you more details about Hemingway and his work, The Old Man and the Sea, next week on September 30th, the last day of the month. Wow, how are we already there? It's actually fall, guys. We can all, we can all geek out now. It's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go now and light a candle and drink, well, I, I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes, sorry. Maybe hot cocoa or something, I don't know. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this beautiful fall weather we've finally gotten. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you when I come back next week. <laughs>